Hello, 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 and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Peace with the Process. You guys may not have heard from me for a little while here since my last episode release where we talked about going to unscheduled uh, podcast releases. So basically just spending some time in the creative flow. Well, with that, I have put together a few articles, a few videos. Uh, Some of these are uh, a little bit older and some of them are newer as I start to release some of these. So I'm going to have some fun with this. And today I'm going to release to you the, basically, uh, the I took the audio from the video of why relationships come first i took the audio from that video put it in here on the podcast that way anybody who wants to listen to this material or listen to this concept can do so you can listen to it from the podcast platform or you can head over to youtube and watch the full video from there for any visuals that may have been on the video or you can head over to peacewiththeprocess.com where you can find the actual written article as well so i wanted to be sure that i provided everyone with the different versions that people like to consume their information so without further ado here is why relationships come first Hey everybody, I want to thank you for checking out another video by Peace With The Process, yours truly, Blake Gann. Today we're going to talk about why relationships come first. Chris McCandless, aka Alexander Supertramp, set out to experience true wilderness as a means of defying the monotony of a 9-to-5 and the accumulation of materialistic possessions, as he perceived modern society to be absorbed with it. Upon starting his adventure, he lost his car to a flash flood. He set what money he had in his pockets on fire and then set out on foot to find Alaska, the last frontier. He met many people and had many experiences along the way as he tried to accumulate the skills he would need to survive once he reached his destination, wilderness. If you're familiar with Chris's story, then you know that he did reach his destination spent his final days in an abandoned bus he called the Magic Bus. He documented his experience, and upon realizing that the wilderness, in all its beauty and ugliness, in all its glory and suffering, it was all worth nothing if he couldn't share it with someone else. Unfortunately, Chris wasn't able to share his wilderness with anyone else. He attempted to go back to civilization to find someone to share his abandoned bus with, but the river that he crossed over to get to his abandoned bus, once frozen, was now a roaring rapid of water, and he was unable to cross. He spent his final days in sickness after mistaking a poisonous plant to be edible, and he eventually starved to death inside the magic bus. If we are ever given the opportunity to put ourselves in a position to grow, or position ourselves to grow with someone else, it is my hope that we would take the latter. You see, two people are better off than one, because if one falls, well, the other can help them up. If you find yourself without shelter and in freezing weather, then you and someone else can huddle together for warmth. If you find yourself being attacked and you're alone, you might be killed. But if there's two of you, now two of you could stand back to back and keep each other alive. Now those are just a few reasons that two are better than one, but you might want to consider a third. Perhaps someone 
who can keep you all from falling into fights and tender your weather. We start off in life with this deep desire to never be left alone, to never be put down, and to receive help for just about everything we do. But somewhere along the line, most commonly our teenage years, we begin to believe that we can do it all on our own. How we come to that notion, I have no idea. Perhaps it's our instinctual ambition that gives us this desire to be proud of having accomplished something on our own. But we get older, and some of us get wiser, and some of us don't. But whether we are wise or not, we have all heard that pride will lead us to our downfall every time. Ryan Holiday, in his book Ego is the Enemy, says, You cannot learn what you think you already know. And what are relationships, if not one of the most useful tools to learning more about ourselves? A relationship with God would undoubtedly reveal areas of our life that require growth and nurturing. Family teaches us what it means to love unconditionally and reveals our own selfishness or lack thereof. A leader or mentor might show us what it's like to see things from a different perspective or reveal to us how our own is either flawed or validated. Friends may reveal how it feels to be validated, appreciated, or encouraged, or reveal our own inability to reciprocate the same. Our professional relationships show us what it means to be valued, to lead, and to follow. Or they might show some of the extreme circumstances that accompany those who are unable to do either one. Each different type of relationship available to us throughout our lives presents its own realization of something lost or something gained. If our motives were purely self-driven, even still, we would be foolish to ignore the opportunity for growth within relationships. Let's think about what each of these relationships provide. Nurturing, love, inspiration, insight, validation, and encouragement. I could sum up all of those with one word, value. Relationships bring value into our lives and allow us the opportunity to bring value into the world. Without the ability to provide value and be valued, what then would be the meaning of life? If we receive this message and we believe that relationships are to be valued, I think that we should go one step further and ask ourselves, do we believe that relationships are to be valued above all else? The knee-jerk reaction that we may all have when we consider that question is to refer back to the saying that we're all familiar with. You can't pour from an empty cup. This saying is meant to encourage us to take care of ourselves before we try to take care of others. It's also used to caution us not to try to help others if we ourselves are not proficient or healthy in the areas that we're trying to help others in. And I agree with both uses of the statement, but what I believe it neglects to point out is how our cup is filled in the first place. To say that we can't pour from an empty cup is very true. And if we subscribe to that belief, then we must also agree that in order for our cup to be filled, it must be done by the outpouring of someone else's, right? 
I believe some people hear the phrase, you can't pour from an empty cup, and think that this means we need to go into a season of solitude to quote unquote, fill ourselves, to become a hermit and work on our deficiencies so as to not hurt someone in our attempt to help them. But where's the line? What's the tool that we're using to measure fullness? I believe that if we allowed ourselves to draw that line, that a large majority of us would fall into one of two categories, being either too self-conscious to believe that we've reached a level capable of helping others, or being too self-confident and believing that we're ready to help others far before we truly are. Surely there is someone else out there who is successfully helping others in the same area of our own deficiencies, and they can do the same for us, thus providing that line outside of our own natural but self-sabotaging defense mechanisms. Our brains are designed to help keep us safe by filling us with hormones that trigger our fight or flight senses, such as fear, anxiety, adrenaline, or doubt. These are designed to keep us safe as our brain perceives it, when in reality, the only thing that there is to fear is our own experience of fear, anxiety, adrenaline, or doubt. But our brain doesn't know that yet. It believes that discomfort equals danger, and we feel this pull to go back to our comfort zone. This is why we need somebody who has been on the other side of that experience to tell us that the grass is greener, to guide us through that discomfort of fear, anxiety, adrenaline, and doubt, so that our brain can experience the higher level of comfort that lies on the other side. This can come from any one of the previously mentioned relationship types. But what about those individuals who seem to have achieved great feats without the apparent help from another? What do we call perseverance through difficulty despite not knowing if the end result is truly good or bad? Faith. Anyone who endured hardship to see the other side without truly knowing if what was on the other side was better than where they had come from, had faith. They had faith that it would be better. Because otherwise, why would we endure? If we knew for a fact that what lied on the other side of hardship would leave us worse off than when we left, what would be the need for us to endure that hardship? Somebody gave them faith. And I can confidently say this because I know that faith is not natural because it contradicts our natural defense mechanisms. Faith has to be taught. So if together we have agreed with each point thus far, can we now confidently answer the question of should relationships be valued above all else? I believe the answer to be generally yes. Why generally? Well, because if you're starving, I would not suggest a trip to grandma's house if the choice meant you either lived or died along the way. I say yes, because as a majority rule, I believe we would be healthier if we prioritized relationships over ourselves, our health, and our wealth. In fact, I use a prioritization technique using these four key value areas as the foundation for what I like to call my daily rhythm. I use this to continue growing in all areas of my life 
without becoming deficient in either one along the way. I believe that we can all live a life where we continue to grow in our values without becoming deficient in a single one along the way. And I believe that it starts by putting our relationships first. Thank you all so much for checking out another video by Peace With The Process and yours truly, Blake Gann. If you would like to check out more things by Peace With The Process, be sure to head over to peacewiththeprocess.com. There you will find more articles as well as some episodes from the Peace With The Process podcast. Be sure to check us out. We are available anywhere you get your podcasts. I use the four key value areas as the foundation for what I like to call my daily rhythm. And I use this to help others with their own daily rhythm as well. So if you would like an opportunity to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, be sure to head over to peacewiththeprocess.com and click on create your peace to learn more about that. If there's anything else I can do to be a better tool and resource for you, I would love to hear about it. Be sure to reach out to us on the website or over at our socials on Facebook or Instagram. And lastly, we would really appreciate if you would give this video a like and or thumbs up and also subscribe to the channel. Thanks guys, and I will see you next time on Peace With The Process.